You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. And it is time for Tech Fan. That is David and I. This is show 455, David. And you're here on the premier tech podcast in the world. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> well, maybe as far as um, equipment goes, because I actually updated my setup once again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't really something I wanted to do. And as listeners know, I updated my, uh, well, how I record the podcasts in general. And what I did was uh, I invested in a Shure microphone as well mm-hmm. as a Zoom Live Track L8. But I don't think that the Zoom was giving enough uh, audio. Uh, power, if you will, to the microphone. I had to really crank up the gain to, okay. to hear anything, and, and I wasn't happy about it. And after some research, I found that a preamp is the solution in this setup that I've got. And yeah. the Shure microphone demands a lot of power. It's a really yeah. high-quality mic. So that's what I did. I got a uh, Tube MP. cost about 100 bucks. And uh, I proceeded to hook it up, and it didn't work at all. <laughs> well, let me let me clarify that. What you do with this tube MP is, uh, and I'm glad I read the instructions. You go from the XLR mm-hmm. coming out of the mic into this, and then I figured, well, then I will go XLR out of that into the board, and it was yep. the noisiest thing you've ever heard. It it mm-hmm. just was like. <laughs> in the background the whole time and my voice was way louder but i mean it sounded like i was yelling at darth vader so yeah went and read the instructions and that is not the way you hook it up you go into xlr into it with certain mics and certain boards and if you hear noise then instead of going xlr out you go um just regular audio cable out (laughs) and i did that and it worked fine but not on a regular input. I had to go to a line input uh, right. that's can dub as a USB. So that's what I did, and now it's working. So I'm happy. Okay. Uh, the one I the one that I've heard people use that that's kind of like that, but it's simpler than the tube is something called a cloud lifter. Yep, I've on heard the those podcast too. forums. They use the cloud lifter quite a lot. Yep cheaper which is a, yeah similar sort of thing yep but th- this looking at the cloud lifter it just basically has xlr in and out so i think it would have worked done exactly what you thought it would have done no it depends on the microphone um because i tested it with another mic doing it that way and it worked fine this one <gasps> but it's when you have the sure mic and really high quality microphones that um it doesn't so okay anyway you got it working got it sounds working. very good now yeah, sounds pretty good. Yep. Good. So you let's get uh, turned down, so Yeah. Well Yeah. I had to play with it a little bit. Yeah. I sent you a link uh yesterday. Amazon is supposedly they've done this before and they didn't end up doing it. Uh supposedly sending me a new product for review. And this mm-hmm. was something that I thought would be fun to review and I don't usually Look at these particular products, and that is a PC laptop. 
Mm -hmm. And so I ordered it. It's an HP Pavilion X360 convertible 14-inch laptop uh, with full HD IPS touchscreen, 11th gen Intel Core i5, 8 gigs of RAM, 256 SSD, Windows 10, a silver one. Yeah. Please log in through the Google Home app. It's my ass Google app. <laughs> um, I really need just on that speaker is literally, I think, on the floor at this point, and yeah. I just keep forgetting to. I'm going to redo Unplug my whole it. desk area anyway, so eventually I'll get around to unplugging it and putting it in the bin. But um, <laughs> stupid thing. But I'm looking forward if they actually send it. I'm looking forward to playing with it. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, this is so Pavilion is. Uh, HP Pavilion is like their consumer brand before yep. you get to the business laptops. And this is pretty much the top end of what they do on the consumer side. So, um, yeah, these pretty pretty you, sweet machines. They just won't be as perhaps as uh, metallic and as light as some of the um, business laptops. But in terms of performance, should be broadly the same. But this can be interesting for you because... With you reviewing this, you're not review, just re reviewing the PC hardware, but you're also re effectively looking at Windows 10. Well, I use Windows 10 as uh, often at work. I mean, that's that's what we, we work with all day long. Now, everything we do, for the most part, is cloud-based, so the platform yeah. really doesn't matter. So, yeah, I am kind of looking forward to playing around with Windows 10 some more. I've got a couple of Windows 10 machines here. Um, I was an early Windows 10 user. And, mm -hmm. you know, remember they had the pre, the beta program, I think it was. Yeah. Um, I had signed up for that and used it for a while. I didn't hate it like I hated other versions of Windows. Um, yeah. But by the same token, it I didn't see that it was offering me anything over and above what I was already getting on a Mac. So, yeah. it, you know, other than maybe a gaming PC, I didn't see the point. And so mm -hmm. they have largely remained on the floor unplugged. In fact, there's yeah. one over down there. Yeah, the cat uses mm -hmm. a step stool most of the time when he climbs, she climbs <laughs> up on stuff she ain't supposed to get on. Um, so I, I'll be interested in your perspectives on on that. Yeah, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm also very interested in the touchscreen aspect that you can fold it flat, um, mm -hmm. and then use it as like a glorified iPod or iPad. Um, yeah. I don't know if Windows 10 is really great for touch interface. I guess we'll find no, out. It isn't. I didn't think it was any more than the Mac would be. But no. I, what else does Windows have? I mean, they've never really gone all in on a touchscreen interface. Even their phones well, were kind of clunky. They did. Windows 8. Windows 8 was very much, I mean... Well, you, they tried. Let me into, put it that way. They've yeah. tried. And it, when you turned Windows 8 into touch only, um, it was very much all in on uh, touch. And and the way they tried to solve the, the um, problem of dealing with desktop apps is basically they tried to move everyone off desktop apps. So it had a desktop mode. Which didn't wasn't as good for window for um, touch because all the targets are smaller and everything. Yeah, they tried to blow things up, but effectively it was never designed for touch. So the idea was was that you would most people would move to Windows Store apps um, for touch screen. You mm -hmm. wouldn't need the desktop mode anymore. Of course, that didn't happen. So what they did with Windows Ten is they kind of went halfway in between. So it has a touch mode. It's a um, tweener. Yeah. 
it has the touch mode, but it it um, it, it it doesn't really get rid of the desktop, and the desktop is still very much part of the experience. And consequently, I don't think many people use it in a full touch mode anymore. Yeah, and um, I guess these I'll two in ones are interesting. Yeah, these two in ones are interesting because I I have a strong suspicion that most people just use them as regular laptops. I do and, too. Uh, pa- Perhaps fold them over into tent mode so they can use them for watching video without the keyboard in the way. But that's probably could be the good most for gaming. Case. It depends on the game, I suppose. But that could yeah. be an interesting gaming concept if it's. That's kind of why I wanted to see and still do to some respect uh, an Apple laptop that you can fold over and use as an iPod. I mean, hmm. now that the or an iPod iPad. Yeah. Now that the new iPad is going to have the M1 chip, which happened two weeks ago at Apple's event, um, we missed talking about it here on the show, but everybody here is probably, they already know what's coming. Yeah. Or has been released, like the AirTags. Um, my issue there is, you know, what's the heat going to be like? I think it's going to be really good. Um, hmm. And if you're putting the M1 chip in an iPad, why can't you have a MacBook Air? Maybe it's called a Mac Pad, mm-hmm. where it's a Mac, and then you fold it over, and now it's an iPad. It's yeah. two OSs on the same computer. How difficult Which, would that be? Yeah, I think you'd have to do. I mean, one of the things that perplexed me about the iPad Pro with the M1 is they're putting a desk, literally a desktop processor in it, um, and yet uh, the the old iPads. I have I have the most recent iPad Air. Um, which is is nearly as powerful. Well, it's not as powerful as the M1, but it's, as, it's certainly more powerful than most of the other iPads, even the Pros when that came out. Sure. Um, and nobody's been sat there thinking, you know what, the iPad's great. It's I just so wish slow. it was more powerful. Oh, it's so slow. <laughs> what what people are saying is, you know what, the iPad's really powerful. I just wish the operating system was more useful to make best use of that power. And I yeah, don't it's see mostly about multitasking and and available apps. There's just so many things you still can't do quickly and easily yeah. on an iPad that you can do on a Mac. Yeah. Just, hell, browsing the internet and having your email open at the same time. L- literally yeah. looking at two different things at the same time. Uh, although the Mac is getting worse when it comes to knowing what is the front window and which is not the front window. But on the yeah. iPad, it's even worse. Um, yeah. they, I think they need to clarify that some. If you want true multitasking, it needs to be crystal clear the program that is in the front especially if you have two windows open uh equal sizes on the screen at the same time you need to know which one is in the front which one is in the back um you know they blurred some of the lines like for instance if i've got two windows in a web browser open whether it's safari or chrome and my mouse is over the portion of the window that is behind them so i've got so I've got one window in the front and one window behind, and I can only see a little bit of the one in the behind. But if my cursor yeah. is actually hovering over that and I scroll my mouse button, it scrolls the page in the back. Well, why is mm. it scrolling the one in the back? I, clearly the window in the front. Have you ever done that before? Uh, I'm just trying it now. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. The the one, the window that's behind that's kind of on, on this screen here is very slightly grayed out, Yeah, kind of subtly grayed out. Yep. Yeah, it moves. It moves that one, even though it's not got focus. Right, that's so not the one in the, the front. The idea of focus, yeah, the focus is not being visually depicted to you. 
Right. It's basically where the cursor is. The problem is the mouse pointer is pretty small on these exactly. retina displays. So you go to scroll, don't realize yeah. you moved your mouse over a little scroll. bit, and you're scrolling yeah. the page behind. You're like, what the hell? Why isn't yeah. this thing scrolling? It's not always obvious. Little tweaks like that in Mac OS needs to be addressed. I don't mind that I can scroll a window in the background, that I can see the usefulness of that. But it needs to be clear if I'm doing that, why it's doing that. Maybe yeah. there's some kind of an indication on the cursor itself to let you know you're actually scrolling over here rather than the main screen. I don't know. Um, I'm not a designer, but I do know the way it is right now is kind of convoluted and broken. Well, you know what? I raised this with you earlier in the week. I sent you a story about lots of complaints about the new podcast app. Yeah, it's um, pretty bad too. Apparently. Yeah, apparently, yeah. Well, I've never, I've never really used it. It's never been good enough for me. But the thing is, it's been getting more focused now because it's the only way to get these new podcast subscriptions that Apple are promoting. Which, um, by the way, we're doing by people. Um, their subscriptions will be a thousand dollars a month. Yeah, yeah, that's right. If, if that's what you want to do, yes. we're there for you. Yeah, we're fully supporting and Apple get, and if its new If we get a hundred subscribers, I get to quit my job and podcast all day long. <laughs> Maybe not that. Um, I, I, well, a hundred. Well, we'll say a hundred. I, I, I would imagine we have a lot of listeners who don't listen on Apple products, and um, guess they're SOL if they if they want to subscribe. Well, I mean, no, if they can afford a thousand dollars a month, they can go get an iPhone. <laughs> I guess. So yeah, it's, it's only a month subscription just to get your your access. I don't understand um, how so, how Apple and I'm like you, David. I don't use the podcast app from Apple. The only thing I do use is the uh, macOS desktop podcast app. And that's because anytime I upload a new show, whether it's, you know, one of our two shows, the Geeks Pub or Tech Fan, or another show in the network, you know, um, I, I need to know if it's pushed live. And the easiest way to yeah. do that is to simply bring up the podcast app, podcast application in Mac, refresh and see if that show downloads. And if yeah. it does, hey, it mm -hmm. went through. But that's but, the only way the I point, can tell. Yeah. The the issue I was raising to you when I pointed to this is is apparently there are a whole load of bugs in it, um, really quite serious bugs, um, and the the thing I was saying to you was that I don't understand. Apple has always been about you've got to make sure the hardware you've got to get it right. Yeah, they may make mistakes in terms of the design. Uh, I mean, the the most recent keyboard debacle that went on for five years is a very good example of that. Yeah. But the thing is, you don't. You don't ever open a new product out of the box from Apple and find it's unfinished. Yeah. Well, there's plastic, plastic tabs or um, scratches or metal burrs or something like this where the manufacturing wasn't quite right. The packaging is always absolutely perfect. Yep. Uh, everything fits properly. The fit and finish of Apple hardware is all, no matter whether the product could be complete and utter garbage, but the fit and finish in terms of how it looks, how, it, how it's been made, how it's been brought to you is always had so much attention lavished in on it. And I don't understand why they don't do the same with their software because their software is certainly for the last few years has progressively in terms of fit and finish been getting worse and worse and worse. And I don't understand why a company that's capable of designing packaging and designing, um, 
designing things that that fit together perfectly within micromillimeters using the most amazing new manufacturing techniques and everything can turn out software that's effectively looked like it's been cobbled together at the last minute and, th- and pushed out onto the internet. I have to agree with you. Um, I think a lot of the software, and I'm not just putting it on iOS or macOS, um, or even tvOS, if that's what the hell that, that thing's called. Um, <laughs> it, it seems to be... A, an ongoing problem with all their software. Yeah. Um, obviously, the focus right here is the podcast app, which is just bad. And I've never yeah. used it like you, especially on my mobile device, because it wasn't as good. I like I've been using Downstream for years. It does everything I want it to do. Um, even something as simple as oh, I don't know, subscribing to a show, and Apple decided to follow. Uh, one of the big bugs in the new one is if you follow a show, it doesn't remember that you've already listened to an episode. And heaven forbid you you followed Tech Fan, every episode in our feed yeah. will now download. And, and be marked as unread. Yeah, and, as, sa- as un- and same un- thing with the MyMac podcast, which means it's yeah. going to go all the way back to 2004 when I released the very first episode. Oh, good. I've got, you know, how many, almost two decades worth of friggin' podcasts now clogging up all the hard drive space on my phone just this is not acceptable from a company that kind of hangs its hat on design i mean that's their thing and man you guys got to get some better software designers in there is nobody and i think a, a lot of this lends itself to your big complaint about apple which is the yearly updates stop yeah giving me an update every single year to essentially three different Operating systems, the iPad, the iPhone, which they have diverged enough at this point where it's it's obvious, and Mac yeah. OS. And mm-hmm. how about how about slowing down and making sure the built-in stuff works? Listening yeah. to your buyers, your customers, and then proceeding. And they're not doing that. I mean, music it, on the phone is awful. Yeah, awful. Yeah. Unless you're using Siri to tell her. You tell well, it's a her on mine. Um, she's a little Australian minx. Um, <laughs> unless I tell Siri, you know, play this or play that or play the best of, uh, it, it doesn't work. I It takes me way too long to find a song that's already on my phone to listen to. Yeah. It's don't, terrible. Yeah, don't get me started with Siri. I, I had a, so I, I had a Siri thing the other day where I'm in the car. Um, and I thought to myself, well, let's use Siri rather than but trying to, to be um, fair, David, though. She heard what you were saying to Cortana before that. So <laughs> I've, I've never used Cortana either. Yeah. Keep um, to that story, buddy. But, um, yeah. So I, I said, I said to Siri, I use overcast as my, um, podcast. Player. I've heard it's a good one. Uh, yeah. And so I said to Siri, rather than. Use CarPlay to kind of scroll through the interface. My my car doesn't have a touchscreen, so you have to use a dial. Um, so rather than scroll around to Overcast to bring it to the front so I could start playing the podcast, I just said to Siri, I said, uh, hey, Siri. Oh, that's good. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that now. Let's just wait for everyone's devices to time out. Yep. I said, hey, um, show, me, uh, show me Overcast, thinking it would then... <laughs> Oh, did I say, or did I say, no, I, I didn't. I said play Overcast, thinking it would play 
the podcast that was queued up in Overcast. Oh, it didn't do that. <laughs> it just kind of timed out, ignored me and timed out, or so I thought. So anyway, so I then went and did it manually. Anyway, later on, I was looking through my podcast and I found I was subscribed to a new podcast in Overcast called Overcast, which it had found in the directory and subscribed me to. Well, you know. <laughs> Hadn't told me it done that. It didn't give me any... So You know, if it had said subscribing to overcast then i would have at least known what it had what stupid thing it had done but no it just did it just did it on I, uh, yeah yeah so I, I love stuff like that but the thing is with the podcast app and um you mentioned music obviously apple music is a really big thing now um it's uh, this big drive towards services re- revenue and podcast subscriptions is part of that for apple you'd have thought at l- the very least the stuff that's important to them from their new services revenue line they would say to the guys developing that software make sure you focus on that and get get that right don't let it go out the door with bugs make sure the new things are promoted to the front make sure that you tweak it and make it better to use at the same time and they're not even doing that no no i and i don't understand this is an ongoing this isn't just because ios 14 or whatever the hell we're up to now just came out this is an ongoing problem. Half of the complaints that I was reading in that article that you linked to um, yeah. were well-established problems with the app, and they just added a bunch of new problems. They didn't cure yeah. one problem that people were complaining about. I just yeah. wonder if they are so tone-deaf to anything other than the bottom line that they just don't care. It's good enough. The hardware is awesome. We're going to sell it on how great the new camera is and how good the screen looks and it's waterproof and blah 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 that yeah. you know the other stuff just doesn't really matter yeah but it, it's getting to the point now i think it's undercutting their very fine efforts in other parts of the products the m1 is an amazing processor the m1 max are amazing max but the thing is is that if things in big sur have gotten worse then that detracts from how great the m1 is yeah and it's the same it's going to be the same with the it's going to be the same with uh with the ipad pros they put an m1 in there unless they radically change ipod os to make better use of that then it's like having a ferrari with uh with plastic go-kart wheels on it yeah Yeah, you're not going to be able to make the best of it and that is a software problem and then when they do make software changes they've got to be tested they've got to be stable they've got to work they've got to work as they're meant to work and not have all of these stupid bugs in them uh, and also this fit and finish stuff where stuff just doesn't it does it's not intuitive i i mean we people always used to say with the mac or well, the beauty of the mac is you sit down with it and it just works it doesn't do that anymore yeah and, and even the ipad and the ios is getting like that as well yeah, there needs to be a refocus on the user experience at Apple beyond the hardware, yeah. and I just don't see it happening. It doesn't seem like it's that important to Apple and to Tim Cook and those guys. Um, yeah. You know, we keep hearing about how great um, all these things are, but the user experience is anything but in many cases. Um, yeah. Speaking of Apple, um, they are facing a lawsuit. Mm. Obviously, there's a big one coming up with, um, what is it, the Epic? Uh, Epic, yeah. Yeah. That one's going to start this coming week. I'm not even going to discuss that yet because we've discussed it in the past and there's no changes yet. So I'm getting a little bit of interference here. There we go. I think it's this. 
trying different cables and it's coming through on your channel so i don't know if it's going right. to affect mine at all anyways um this one is kind of interesting this one actually came from uh, a website that i view often that has nothing to do with technology it's called slash films and yeah. um let me see it says uh so here's the gist of it a person say david cohen or tim robertson buys an, a movie in itunes and after we buy that movie uh apple loses the ability to sell that movie mm -hmm. they can then basically make it so you can't view that movie anymore yeah and um what's been happening is uh is people have uh been finding uh purchases disappearing often if they've then if they've gone to switch devices right so, this isn't um, if you've already downloaded it you have that yeah, but that's right but it's your copy in the cloud so you switch from uh your old ipad to a new one and you do a cloud restore yep and you go to watch uh, part, the new star yeah. trek movie and exactly it's part of the cloud there. restore basically downloads everything again from itunes but they can't redistribute the stuff that they've lost the content they've lost the access to it's been effectively it's been taken out of the store so you don't get that anymore which means you've lost access to something you paid for in your mind it's something you bought you purchased i own that movie and i can't see it anymore uh, um this and is... and also as well that there are there are other things that are in there in this lawsuit as well there are situations where um somebody somebody um has had their account banned from Apple for doing something. Yeah, I don't know. I do they're a developer account or something, but for some reason Apple has decided that they can't have their account anymore. Well, of course, they lose access to all their purchases as part of that denial yeah. of, of access to Apple's systems, which means uh, there was one case being um, talked about. I don't know whether it's actually in the court case or whether this was somebody related to it as part of reporting on it, but there was somebody who had $20,000 worth of apple purchases and they lost access to all of it because apple banned them from their account for some transgression um and they just lose access to it now me i would never spend that sort of money on on uh on that sort of content but but i guess some people do and um you know there is a the, the difficulty is is the the way these these items are marketed to you as a purchase well it literally says it doesn't buy yeah there is no that's right it says yeah it says rent. buy it's talked about a purchase yeah in fact it, actual, after you buy it it shows grayed out and now it says purchased purchased yeah it didn't say rent the, it says purchased the, the problem is is that if you read the small print in the itunes uh, app agreements um, and the the movie agreements, the music stores, and of course, what you're purchasing is the right to download that um, a, a copy of that from the cloud while Apple has it. That's the problem. Is that you're not actually purchasing the physical good like you would do if you're going into a store and buying a DVD. Um, so and uh, and that's that's well, that's where it falls out. And and it's it this this is an interesting case because I think it is a it is a point of of consumer purchase law that needs to be cleared up about what you're actually purchasing. Yeah. And, uh, and it's not and the looking fact good that you're for handing Apple. Over yeah. The, the fact that you're handing over money for something mm -hmm. should at least 
should at least mean that your rights should get probably more measure than they get at the, at the moment because at the moment it's basically it's all on the cloud provider to um to do that and they and as has been proved they can uh for whatever reason for the variety of reasons we've talked about they can remove your access to the thing you purchased uh, or you believe you purchased um and at the moment it's hidden in the small print it's not out there so uh, I mean, the lead plaintiff david and dino for apple alleges that Apple reserves the right to terminate access to what consumers have purchased and has done so on numerous occasions. Meanwhile, wait, yeah. Meanwhile, Apple claims that no reasonable consumer would believe that purchased content would remain on the iTunes platform indefinitely. Bullshit. That's exactly what it means. Nobody thinks about that. That's exactly what it means. No, like, nobody reasonable thought money. that if you bought this, that it's going to be there forever. Yeah, that's exactly and that, and why the, I purchased it, asshole. That's the yeah, reason. And, the, and, and that's the difficulty, is that is that you purchase something, so therefore you might think that other people might not be able to purchase it in the future, but you expect your copy to be available. Absolutely. It's that's why like, I know, if bought you, it. If you go, yeah, yeah, exactly. If you go and, if in the 70s you bought a Ford Pinto, you recognize that Ford might not might not make the Pinto in the future, and that at some point, when you want to buy a new Pinto, you go to Ford and they say, oh, we don't make that anymore, sorry. You'll have to buy buy a different car. Yeah, but what you, <laughs> what you don't expect is when Ford discontinues the Pinto for them to turn up at your garage and say, by the way, we've got to take this away now because uh, we don't make this anymore, so yeah. it's gone. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, yeah, and they load on a flatbed and drive off with it. For for him to say that no reasonable consumer would think that, that is an absolute lie. That is, uh, but U.S. District Judge John Mendez isn't buying that Apple has made it clear its its view of consumer expectations in the digital marketplace. In common uses, the term "buy" means acquire possession over something. Mendez writes, "It seems plausible, at least." At the motion to this uh, uh, to dismiss stage, that reasonable consumers would expect their access couldn't be revoked. Apple also attempted yeah. to undercut uh, Dino's alleged injury that Apple has ended consumer access to content they purchase by claiming that it's not concrete but rather speculative, which we blatantly know to be false. Uh, yeah. Mendez again sides with Dino on his case, writing that there is real injury here. The plaintiff alleges is not as Apple contends that he may someday lose access to his purchase content. Rather, the injury is is that at the time of purchase, he paid either too much for the product or spent money he would not have um, but for the misrepresentation. This economic injury is concrete and actual, not speculative as Apple contends. Satisfying yeah. the injury, in fact, required in Article 3. So in other words, Apple saying, look, even if he's right, there's no real damages here. I mean, there isn't. Well, yeah, there is damages. I gave you money. <laughs> can't watch the movie anymore. Yeah, I can't, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't watch this thing that I purchased. It's mine to yeah. watch whenever I want. Uh, yeah. That's like saying, you know, I, I bought a, a DVD off of Amazon, and then all of a sudden Amazon can't sell it anymore. So they come to my house and take my copy. Take it away, yeah, They just exactly. take it away. Yeah, you can't have this anymore. We can't sell this, so that, you can't have it. I'm sorry, that's not yeah. how it works. No, I think I'm, I'm, yeah. you guys in the UK have got it made in in some regards when it comes to consumer protection, and so does the the people in the EU. In the United States, consumer protection is a joke. It mostly falls yeah. on the side of uh, businesses, and that's mostly because of um, 
special interest groups that have uh, infiltrated and bought off both Democrat and Republican lawmakers to make it so all the power is on the seller, all the power is on the manufacturer, on the business, and not on the consumers. Um, yeah. It's the same thing with healthcare in this country. You don't have access to healthcare legally. You don't have any right to healthcare. Screw you. Die if you don't have the money. That's the way it's. It, that's yeah. the way it is. Screw you if you. But this judge seems to be pretty good. I, I kind of like his ruling so far. Now this is only preliminary yeah. stuff, but nonetheless, I think there's a hundred percent real concrete uh, damages Apple is causing people. To lose content. What if Apple gets into a huge spat with all the movie theaters and they all universally pull their content from Apple? The only thing that Apple has content is their own stuff that they own. Um, The Apple TV stuff, right? So all of a sudden, all the movies, all the television shows that I've ever purchased or anybody has ever purchased in iTunes, unless you've actually downloaded it, which would take up terabytes of space for some people, is just gone. And they're going to say that yep. that's not a concrete loss. Okay, fine. Then give me all my money back. How about that, Apple? Are you going to yeah, do that? Yeah. Well, that well, that's that's the thing. And and the reality of this lawsuit is that if it looks like it's not going Apple's way, they're going to settle it because they don't want this to be set in case law. And I hope it does because not get settled. Will, that would be absolute yeah. horseshit. This is an but important case. Be- because if Apple thinks they're going to lose it, they're going to settle it because they don't want the precedent that says that um, either they have to advertise movies differently in the movie store. Uh, and by the way, Amazon's facing Amazon videos facing a similar lawsuit. Good. They don't want the uh, they don't want the precedent set that they either have to. Um, uh, well, they can't retain copies of those movies because their agreements with the movie distributors don't let them to. So they would then have to either um, change the way they sell the movies to you so it's perfectly clear that you won't have the rights to them in the cloud in perpetuity, or alternatively, they would have to refund you any time you go to watch a movie that was in your library and you can't anymore because they don't have the rights to it. And they don't want to do either of those things. So what they're going to do is settle these suits so it doesn't get put into law. And that's that's the real weakness of your consumer protections. You're is right. When people go, oh, well, you know, Congress doesn't need to do it because it gets settles in law. Well, the problem is, is that settle the lawsuits and it never gets never goes before a judge for a, for a uh, precedent. Yep. And you're yep. 100% right. And I hope this is, look, I buy a lot of Apple products, but this is a case that, not just against Apple, but needs to be settled, and it needs to come down on the consumer level uh, a victory. If I yeah. buy something, buy, not rent, buy, I should have it forever. It's mine. Now, yeah. counter-argument, David. I uh, And this is another story that isn't in the show notes here. It's actually in the show notes for Geek's Pub, but it was something that we were going to put. Um, we moved over to this show. Yeah. And that is PlayStation was talking about finally turning off the PlayStation Store for PS3 and, and um, Vita yeah. users. Which means if I bought something, say let's pretend I never bought a PS4 or a 5. And I haven't bought a 5 mm-hmm. yet because... Yeah, you can't. I can't. Um, but let's say I don't, the only thing I have is a PS3. And I bought a lot of digital content... Um, from sony on the ps3 but i've only got so much space so anytime i want to play something that's not already on my hard drive i gotta go re-download it again yeah 
once they turn off that store, that's gone. I don't have access to it anymore. Yeah. But I, I purchased it. It's that's my right. game. Yeah. Why can't I get my game again? Because you decided to turn off a server? This was a looming yeah. problem um, that was also going to affect, let's say you did have it on the PS3, but it could also kill your access because it can't confirm a purchase on the PS3, even though you're playing on the PS4, because they turned off those servers. And that purchases right. all gone. All of that. You don't, it's not going, it, the, it was a kill switch that was going to decimate a lot of people's digital libraries. So what's the solution? Is, are we, it, do we expect Sony to keep that store open indefinitely? Well, not maybe not indefinitely, but certainly while the product is still viable in the market, and it is, they sold millions of PS3s, and they know those PS3s are still out there. And in fact, if they're looking at the PS3 servers, they should know exactly how many people are using those servers on a day-by-day basis. When they made this decision... I don't think they did. Whoever made this decision didn't realize how many PS3 users were still active because not even a week later, Sony reversed course. Yeah. And they actually came out and said, we made a mistake. Yeah. On further reflection, we made this mistake. We are not going to be um, turning off the PlayStation 3 store anytime soon, although they did say they're still going to be turning off the Vita store. But just not yet, right? So, yeah. What, so, what are you supposed and, and to so do? It's funny. It's funny about the Vita, right? The reason people are less upset about the Vita is the Vita has been so comprehensively hacked that you don't need that store anymore. That is yeah, true, which of course, but which of course is something that Sony has resisted all the way along. But this is this is the conundrum, right? The hacking of these products to get rid of the DRM and all of that sort of thing is generally. It's genuinely the only way that they become viable when the when the um, when the people supplying it decide that it's that it's not something they're going to support anymore. Yep. If you go and buy a Zune on eBay today, yeah, you there are there are places you can go where basically there is somebody who runs a server that will allow it to activate and set itself up because Microsoft doesn't do that anymore, and that means that that product then becomes because once you've done that, then you can load your own content on it. It means the product still works. The difficulty is is what is when you know when they build these systems and architect them so they're in the loop for whatever reason for cost control reasons for um, advertising reasons for DRM reasons the, these companies don't seem to realise that they are taking on a longer responsibility than perhaps they realise. That's their problem, though. You know. Well, yeah, but my view is it wouldn't be an issue if whenever that this wouldn't have been an issue if whenever they decided to do this, Sony said, "Okay, so to avoid cutting off all these people, we're going to issue a PS3 patch and a PS Vita patch that basically removes the DRM, removes the right to have to validate with us." Yeah, and so these that games would be a good continue. solution. Yeah, these games will continue to work. The thing is, what you can't do, what you shouldn't do as a responsible company, is, and, and it goes, goes back to what we're talking about on Apple and Amazon, is you should not take away people's rights to view the content they paid you money for in good faith. Yeah? The solution for the Apple on the Apple side is could be, you know what, if... if um, if a whole round of, of movies are going to disappear from the uh, from the store because they're losing the license to them, is they contact you in the store and they say, by the way, these are going away. You won't be able to download, download them from the cloud. Uh, you need to download them locally now. 
and actually create a, a, a way of doing that. That, that, would be I, solution. that would be another solution. And same thing with uh, yeah. the, the PlayStation 3 in this case. With the yeah. But here's the thing, though. When Apple removes something like that, let's say I have a copy on my desktop, all the movies and television shows you buy are DRM protected. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they'd work? have to they'd have to put put some local DRM in, and they don't want to do that because, of course, that will then give people an opening. Well, it has local DRM. DRM. iTunes absolutely has local DRM because you can yeah you can turn you can turn off all internet access to your computer, fire up iTunes, and watch a movie that you've purchased, yeah. and the DRM is there and it unlocks. Because so there's a there's a there's a technical solution to all sure. of that, and, and most um, of it is to, and, to delete the DRM. Yeah, that would be the way to do it, or to put something in to enable the DRM to function without the servers being in the loop. DRM is, is, the way around it. is just an inconvenience at this point. Almost yeah. all DRM has been broken when it comes to yeah. digital content, like video games, movies, television shows, music. Um, it's all out there. Every single thing that you could say you're losing access to if, if Apple removes a, an entire studio's library from your itunes you can go download illegally somewhere yeah. else no problem at all that's right with no yeah. DRM. But, the, but the problem is that is not the solution because you oh are i agree then, i'm just saying te- that that shows yeah, the drm doesn't work drm yeah, does but not you are, work but the the problem is is that is not the solution to this problem no. to expect people to go and break the law to acquire an illegal copy of something they actually paid legally for is is uh, is bad. But the the problem is is they can't just the the difficulty is everybody has been expecting everyone to just suck this up. Yeah, and people won't do it. You know, Will and, they? and, that, and I mean, we, I don't well, see a because lot eventually of it's be, eventually it's going to become a big enough problem. Yeah, that that they, they there will be at one point there will be some sort sort of copyright cataclysm, where one big studio has a falling out with another provider and pulls all their content, and then loads of people who, through no fault of their own, will suddenly find that stuff they they previously had access to has disappeared, and and then it will become public enough that actually lawmakers will sit up and take notice and do something about it. Well, I hope you you're know. right. Because um, we, we are increasingly moving to a, we increasing unlike ten years ago, we are increasingly moving to a cloud only system. Yeah, so I, don't, um, I, don't, I think you're wrong, David. I think it's still going to come down to special interests and money, um, or politics. Maybe and the politics that are not siding with consumers. For instance, Florida is now passing a law saying you can get fined if you ban politicians from your social media site. Yeah, that's that's not going to stand though because that's unconstitutional. So that is that is not you know that is not going to go anywhere. I think the the difficulty is is that you say is that, that, but I don't the, know. Well, I I can't see it. I really can't. It's so unconstitutional because the rights of the uh, you know it's a typical example of assuming that the rights of one interest that the free speech rights of one interest trump the free speech rights of another and that's not the case um i don't i don't see that going anywhere but the but the problem is is that you know these cases came from situations where in the past people could download stuff if they needed to we are increasingly moving to systems where it's all in the cloud 
and you know you, you know these devices are not designed to download and keep local copies of anything um and when stuff starts disappearing in that situation people are going to sit up and take notice and you've got to remember that um there is a big movement at the moment in, even inside your uh, your legal system against big tech yeah. and some of these issues are going to come out as part of that because um, people are starting to look at big tech more closely and they're saying some of the things big tech does are unfair to everybody, such as taking away their rights, their stuff, because all of a sudden the legal situation between them and a service provider has changed. You know, yeah. they're looking at that and they're going, these practices are starting to sound monopolistic. They are starting to sound like there's too much power with the big tech company and not enough power with everybody else. So they, they will be looked at. Um, and, I think the smart tech companies are going to try and get ahead of this and start doing things to try and head off the uh, regulation that's going to come. And I think well, this is try. an area that does need looking at. Yeah. Well, the other thing coming this is up definitely is, an area that needs looking at is is Amazon is uh, kind of in a little bit of trouble here. A court just ruled that they are responsible for the safety of consumers from products sold on their store and um walmart faced a a similar lawsuit and i'm sure that this is what it comes down to amazon when they sell a product they don't they're not always the ones selling the product because they have this marketplace which is a whole different topic we've discussed how crappy the marketplace is how deceptive it is um, it's no better than eBay in a lot of regards. There's a lot of fraud. There's a lot of outright yeah. theft of intellectual yeah, my, property. But, my, my, my mother just fell foul of this. She bought some stamps on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. And and she sent a whole lot of birthday cards and they all got returned because the stamps were counterfeit. Right. That's just awful. And it looks like we lost David completely. He just, Completely dropped out. I don't know what happened. And here he comes. Yeah, it just dropped for some reason. Yeah, you just dropped out. Does it have a? Don't. It's a forty-five minute. Does it have a time limit on it? No, not that no? I'm aware of. Anyway, I can't. But see now you I now. see you full screen. You yeah, and see I me. see. I can't. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Right. Online. So yes, as I was saying, my my mother she she found these stamps she bought from Amazon were counterfeit. It turns out they were from a marketplace seller, and they were just dodgy stamps. So I said, I, I mean, she, this is older people. She went to the Royal Mail and she complained to them. <laughs> they went, it's nothing to do with us. You bought yeah. dodgy stamps. They said next time buy the stamps from us. Right. Um, and I said to her, I said you don't complain to Royal Mail. You need to complain to Amazon. They're selling counterfeit stamps and and this is the problem in amazon you go to um, the argument would be you're not buying it from us this is a third party yeah, the, but, but that's but not that's, clear that, on amazon's website no that is exactly the problem. the problem and that's what these sellers rely on this yep. is that the way amazon is constructed is you have to be pretty savvy to figure out whether you're buying direct from amazon or amazon is just is just the intermediate third party. And of course, Amazon's trading on that because they know that, that effectively their brand brings people to their website. Exactly. Um, and and so, they, they th- as far as they're concerned, it's not interested to flag the marketplace stuff as second-tier stuff. And yet, in as this article demonstrates, yeah, um, when they sell something that actually causes a fire, 
because it's a bad Chinese product. Um, and I'm not dinging particularly on the Chinese there. It's just that that's where all this stuff comes from. Poorly made Chinese products that then catch fire. Yeah. That Amazon has a, has a responsibility in that because they sold it they sold to the it. guy who's They advertised it. They took advertising from the from the company that is selling it. That's how they get higher yeah. listing in the... I mean, Amazon. And, and in, Amazon in my made opinion, money out of that as well. Yes. Yeah. Well, Amazon, Amazon <laughs> is 100% complicit with this. Um, yeah. They have made it clear that there shouldn't be any difference when you're looking at a product on Amazon, whether it's coming from Amazon or it's coming from a third party. They don't want you to know. They want you to feel all good and gooey inside that you're getting it from yeah. Amazon. Well, Amazon, yeah. if you're going to do that, then you're responsible for the products that people sell. You're also responsible for the safety of your consumers. Yeah. You're also responsible for the companies that are getting ripped off from counterfeit products that you are selling. You're selling them, Amazon. It's on your... Yeah. You you can't... That's like saying, well, there was this little store down the street and they were selling all these bootleg movies. Well, how is that store not responsible if they get busted? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Well, it's in their store. Yeah. Well, there was a guy in the, the back that was selling yeah. them. You couldn't bring. No, I mean, yeah, you can <laughs> ring them up on a register, but really, it's the guy back there that's selling yeah. them, not us. If you if you sell a used car, yeah, and the thing's a death trap, yeah. it basically splits into two pieces on the highway. Yeah. Ten minutes after you've sold it, but off that your is lot. set up by law that we are responsible yeah, for that. Exactly, and it's but the not thing is, you, with this stuff. Yeah, and it has to be. What Amazon is trying to do is trying to say, oh well, you know what? Yeah, we didn't sell that car. There was a guy, and he came to us and he said, "Can we? Can I use your lot to sell my car? And I'll cut you in ten percent." And and uh, you went, yeah, okay, fine. We've got a vacant space of the lot. Oh, yeah, can we use um, Toyota branding? Um, can we just pretend like we're we're a you know we're a Toyota salesman? Um, but don't worry, we'll just deal with it for you. And then and then you go, Tim. You go, oh no, more than that. I'll sell the car for you. Yeah, you just leave it on there, and we won't need don't need to let the customer know that it's not coming from Toyota, that it's actually coming from you. Uh, I'll sell that. I'll take their money. I'll process their paperwork, and I'll let them drive off the lot. Uh, don't you worry about it. You just cut me into the deal, and that's fine. And then after you've done that, if you want to sell another car in the same space, just bring it on in. You know, it's all cool. It's all fine. Nobody needs to notice the difference. Yeah. And yeah, then when the police come knocking on the door to say, well, you sold this uh, Toyota to this guy, and he's driving down the ha- highway, and it turned out it was two cars welded together, and the weld split, and it and it um, broke in two, uh, and it spilled him out onto the highway, and now now he's in hospital. You go, oh, well, that was nothing to do with me. That's this guy over there. He sold that car, uh, yeah. and we all we did was just give him the space to do it. It's absolutely nothing to do with me. You know, so you need to go and find him, and then, you, then they... The cops go to you, okay, so what's his name and address? Let me go and speak to him. Oh, well, he doesn't live here. He lives in China. So You know, um, one of the biggest problems is I don't think that there is a lot of the the big changes, especially in the safety equipment that came in the automotive industry and it trickled overseas too uh, because if they're not complaining in the U.S., they're not going to sell a lot of cars. At least that's how it was. Yeah. uh, Was a consumer advocate. Now, I didn't always agree with his tactics, and I thought he was a bit of an asshole. But Ralph Nader really went after the, you know, the automotive industry, starting way back at the Chevy Corsair, which was literally a death trap car. 
Um, and it was his direct actions which led to stuff like backup cameras. So you don't run over a toddler that's right behind your car because you can see it on the screen. And you yeah. could totally not see it on mirrors. So we need, I don't know if we need another Ralph Nader per se, but we need way more um, consumer, consumer advocates in the yeah. electronic space when it comes to uh, online retailers. And that's pretty much everybody. That's, that's Netflix because they are an online retailer. Um, yeah. What they're retailing is a subscription service for you to watch shows um, against Apple and Microsoft and Google. All of these companies. Well, it's, it's all big tech. I mean, it's all the stuff that comes out of uh, the disruptive stuff that comes out of Silicon Valley. It's yeah. not just those. It's it's Uber and Lyft and Deliveroo and Uber Eats and all the other things as well, who again have, have turned around and said, oh, you know, well, yeah, what looks like a regular business model, because we're doing it through the internet, is not. And these people aren't employees and we're not responsible for what they do. All we are is an intermediate platform. Biden just admitted is, is, that uh, or just said that Uber drivers are Uber employees and their stock yeah. dropped by like 25 percent because know, Wall Street's of, like, oh, my God, they if they are. are, of course they are. Yeah. There's no yeah. question about it. You know, the the, yeah. the gig economy is, I know there's going to be some people out there like, oh, I love the gig economy. I live, I work in the gig economy. Um, it's bad for you long-term. Well, not only that. And you have I no think, protections. The prob- yeah. The pr- you have, they have no protections. And then ultimately the customer has no protections. All of these companies, including Amazon, rely on the fact that when something goes wrong, most times, nine times out of ten, they just give the consumer a free, re- a, a straight refund. Yep. Yeah, and and so the consumer doesn't complain about it. You get something from Amazon, and it turns out to be garbage. Yeah. Um. And and they give you a refund. And if it's a marketplace thing, which means they won't give you a straight refund straight away. If the marketplace seller doesn't give you a refund, most of them do because they don't want to get kicked off Amazon. But if they don't give you a refund, then Amazon gives you a refund anyway. So well, that even is if their they kick them model. off, the, the, the company just sets up another reseller account yeah. and they're right back in business but, but, within 36 hours. But the thing is, effectively, what Amazon does with this is nine times out of ten, they buy you off by just giving you a refund and making it very easy for you to complain. Yeah. Right, and that keeps the complaints down, which means that the look keeps the lawsuits down. The difficulty is giving somebody a refund for a hoverboard that burnt their house down is not going to cut it. No, um, you know, and uh, and that's that's the problem, and and that's when it you know it it breaches the digital world and becomes into the real world, um, and there will be more cases like this. And gradually, good gradually, of Amazon, good customer service. Um, I wanted to buy these new wheels for my Sequoia because of course I do. Yeah. Um, and they sell them at work, but they're quite pricey. Yeah. Well, uh, there's this website that had a, uh, sale and I know work can't match it. So what the hell? So yeah. I have a couple different ways I could pay for it, but I thought I don't want to take money out of my own pocket that I've physically earned. So I get what's called a Toyota card. And occasionally, not very often to be honest, but occasionally Toyota will have these little promos for salespeople that if you sell this certain car, say a Camry, uh, you get a spiff. And the spiff might be $100. And they put it on this debit card. So it's Mm -hmm. almost like free money. I mean, I got to pay taxes on it, but it's it's never a lot. Um, And then, of course, I have my PayPal account, which 
um, is is money that I didn't physically have to work for. Okay, yeah, that's how I usually pay for stuff like this microphone or mm-hmm. you know the Tube MP or the Zoom Live Track that sort of stuff. Yeah. All comes out of my PayPal account, so it doesn't really affect my my checkbook, if you will. I mean, it's yeah. real money. Don't get me wrong. I could transfer that money into my account and yeah. have more money. But it's kind of my play money. When Julie wants to buy something, we use a PayPal account online usually. Yeah. So anyways, um, I buy these rims. And I'm going to use two different payment methods. So I'm going to do two different transactions. Right. The first one is going to come out of my PayPal account. I'm going to buy two of the wheels there. And then the next one's going to come off my Toyota card. So I go order via PayPal. And of course the window pops up for shipping and how I'm paying and I click PayPal and it goes through and then the, their website immediately says, there was a problem with your order, uh, please contact customer service. This was a Saturday night, mm-hmm. I'm like, customer service is probably right. not open. So I go to my PayPal account and they took the money. I'm right. like, wait a minute, they didn't even complete my order. Yeah. So I sent them an email. And I'm like, please confirm that you did get my order yeah. Uh, yeah. or promptly refund my money. Yeah. And within five minutes, I got an email response. They did get my order. Here's the order number. Here's going to be where you find tracking and stuff. Apologize right. for the inconvenience. And I could tell it was an actual person. It wasn't some. Yeah. So I replied. I said, thank you very much. Um, and I'm thinking this maybe was a problem with Chrome. I ordered via Chrome. Mm-hmm. So I, thought, yeah. I bet there was some kind of a, a glitch with Chrome and it just kind of crapped out. Yeah. So I said, uh, I'm about to place exactly the same order using a different payment method, but I'll use a different browser. I did so mm-hmm. and I used Safari this time. Exactly the same problem. Went to my yeah. card balance and sure enough, they took the money off the card. They took the money out, yeah. So I responded to that other message saying, I just, here's the yeah. last four digits of my credit card. I did check, here's a screenshot of... Yeah. that you took the money, please verify you got this order as well and that they're both going to be shipped out. That took about an hour. They apologized, mm-hmm. and they even said that they reached out to the people who were on their website, let them know that this is a big problem. And, and yeah, that was good customer service. Within yeah. an hour, I had an apology. They didn't offer to refund the money because obviously I want to buy the things. And I yeah. put in my email, please let me know that you got this order and that you're yeah. going to be shipping these wheels. Um, you know, I, I don't expect everything to work perfectly every time. But when it doesn't, I don't want to, I don't want finger pointing. I don't want, I don't want to even think that I'm going to have to sue someone to, to get yeah made yeah. right. Just, do the right thing and in sony's case the the right thing is to keep the ps3 store open at least accessible so i can read they don't have to keep selling stuff through the ps3 store but keep it live so i can re-download my stuff and and play it apple doesn't have to um or i should say amazon doesn't have to shut down all of the uh, the third-party vendors, but they do have to be responsible for it, and they have to take responsibility when a product that they yeah. sell, whether it's through a, a, a partner or not, they are taking responsibility, and that means if they know through m- multiple complaints that this product is bad, that this product is hurtful, that they will remove it immediately. They'll a- automatically refund people, 
send out notifications saying, hey, please stop using this product. It's come to our attention that it's bad. You don't have to send it back, but we are going to refund your money. Please discard that product. That's all we're asking for. That's all. That's it. Right marketplace contracts, so they push some of the responsibility for all of that back on the vendors. So the people who make, the, you know, the ultra cheap stuff that might be dangerous, they haven't bothered doing the vetting or anything like that. And the people doing the counterfeit stuff and everything know that Amazon, the full resource of Amazon, will come after them for it rather than just go, all right, we can't access it anymore. Right, you can't access your account anymore because that's the problem. The problem is, is, is that um, the guys, guys and girls in various different countries put up stuff that's illegal or shoddily made or dangerous or all of these different things, counterfeit, whatever, yeah. because they know that they can take a quick cash grab until they're boosted off the platform and then there and are no, no consequences. consequences. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know, and and there's a word for somebody who does that, yeah, for somebody who acts as an intermediary for criminal goods, and that is a fence. And being a fence is illegal, yeah? And you can't just say, just because you're doing it on a website on a massive scale, yeah, that that means that you aren't a fence. You are. And Amazon needs to recognize that. Well, the only thing that's going to allow them to recognize that, let's be honest, unfortunately, is a lawsuit. Yep. This is how it is. Yep. And then it comes yeah. down but to again, who has the better lawyers, we, and unfortunately we, Amazon has yeah. all the money in the world. Yeah. So all they all they have to do then is is settle the lawsuits and make them go away and not change anything they do. And that's the problem. You know? Uh let's get to our feedback. We uh, got. And and yeah, I was gonna say we we're big Amazon users, so I'm you know, I lo- I, 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 I it's very convenient. I and I'm a Amazon yeah. Prime member. I am. Yeah. So this isn't a dislike of Amazon, but it is a dislike of some of their business practices. Yeah, we're that's right. also huge Apple buyers. We buy Apple yeah. products, and we just spent an entire episode kind of tearing them down. It yeah. all comes down to the consumer, and just not enough emphasis is placed on consumer protection and what's best for the con- the, the buyer at the end of the day. And, and we're letting companies off the hook for, from what I can see, two reasons. Apathy. No, they gave me a refund. I'm good. Right? Yeah. Apathy. Meh. Whatever. Doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. I'm good. They made it good with me. I don't care about the 400 other people that are getting screwed over. They made it right by me. Yeah. Um, or fanboyism. Big problem in the Apple community. Way too many people... Yeah. Tesla also has this problem. They have this. Yeah. Well, it's not a problem for Tesla, but you know what I mean. Uh, they yeah. have fanboys who ignore real world problems because they're such a fan. I'm a fan yeah. of Apple. I'm not a fan of Apple. Apple's a, one of the biggest companies, richest companies in the world. You, they use practically slave labor. You know, the people that are making the iPhone, they had to put nets outside their windows because people are plunging to their deaths to get out of it. This yeah. is not, this is, you don't. They do some good things. Don't get me wrong, but you don't be a fan of a company like yeah. that. Are you and, crazy? And if if you be are a fan, a fan of Muhammad Ali or Gandhi, yeah. well, if you are a fan, don't or David don't Cohen, allow that to assume that they're perfect. Yeah, because they're not, and neither am I. Well, by long stretch, you're pretty close. <laughs> um. So, uh, so we got we got this feedback from, from John Neal. Go ahead. 
Yeah, he said, your Plex discussion was really the best technical commentary you've had in a very long time. And he was right about so, that. You know, yeah, we're called tech fan and we don't generally talk about hardcore tech. And yeah. that was a good discussion. Um, we will probably get more into that. The problem, though, John, is David and I are kind of experts in a lot of things. So yeah. we we don't see the issue that we need to talk about when it comes to. I can't even think of anything offhand. Setting up a mail a client, yeah. you know, we don't yeah. we don't do that because it's second nature to us, and it would actually be very difficult for us to have a discussion on how to do something like that because I I don't understand the problems that people have with those things now because yeah. I'm I, I'm so far beyond that. Does that yeah. makes sense. By the way, yeah. By the way, my Plex server. So, you know, I remember I was saying that it slowed right down yeah. for no good reason. Yeah. It just stopped slowing down and now it's fine again. It's been fine ever since. Yeah. I was on the verge of basically wiping the machine and completely rebuilding it. That and it just suck. started working again. So I have no idea. Well, you scared it. I was like, oh, shit. Stop screwing around, guys. <laughs> it, yeah. He's going to nuke and pave. furrowed brow. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so so there was that. And then John always says, also says, he says, when it comes to rooftop solar panels on the house, we have them. I actually am now an expert on what it's like to be a homeowner with solar panels. So that would be an interesting discussion, John. I wouldn't mind bringing John South- on to discuss it. Yeah. He says, here in southern Arizona, which is one of the sunniest places in the world, there is no, I mean, absolutely no, none, never value to the payback. It is all about paying it forward and coming out ahead in the bills after 10 to 15 years. See, I don't understand. Have to discuss that. from the homeowner's perspective any time. He's basically saying that, that there's no way to make it financially work unless you look over it over a 10 to 15 year time scale. So it is literally about, you're not going to, uh, he's, he's basically saying you're not going to uh, make a, an economic case for doing it unless you're looking at over 10 to 15 years. So the why, problem with that yeah. is that, most people aren't going to do a ten to fifteen year investment payback. No. They want they want to see some right. sort. That's of why they have a fifteen year mortgage, John. Most yeah. people don't and stay in their home over fifteen years. Well, I mean, I bet well, there's this thing called the internet. So I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna type this up. Okay. How uh, average length of time someone owns a home? All right. Roughly yep. eight years. Yeah, that's what Google yep. says. I, I can believe that. I've um, how long? Of, how long do homeowners? Of all the houses I've owned, in as fact, of twenty eighteen, the median duration of home ownership is thirteen point three years, which completely invalidates ever buying. Now, look, I've owned this house more than for longer than that, but whatever. Uh, you're on the opposite spectrum. You've had that house now for what five years? It's kind of six years this year. So but the, yeah, the previous, five years. Yeah, the previous house I had, I had for maybe six, seven years, yeah. and then the previous house before that, I had for five years, and the previous so, house before that, I had for three years. So um, people don't keep yeah. their houses that long, John. You may be an outliner, and a lot of your friends may as well be, but it's statistics don't lie. It but, doesn't make from yeah. a financial standpoint any viable sense to put solar panels on your house well the problem is 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 that's when governments need to intervene because exactly i think 
solar panels on everyone's house is probably a very good idea uh, in terms th- of I love that idea. our economies. Yeah. Well, if there's batteries to contain the power, I'm, I don't well, want to just because yeah. let's be honest, John. If everybody or David, if everybody has solar panels on their house, and you can't use all the power it's generating at any one time, you're giving it back to the grid, which you're going to yeah. have to do if government is subsidizing yeah. it. Yes. So you're adding to the grid. So blackouts or, or brownouts are almost a thing of the past at this point, except they wouldn't be because it's still using the same infrastructure. And once again, we get back to infrastructure that's got to be upgraded. Um, but we also need some way to store the power, which yeah. no country does. We don't store power well, uh, yeah, and, and use this it. Is, this is why it's a far wider problem. I mean, the yeah. problem is you put batteries into your solar installation at house, and guess what? Your payback time's gone from 15 years to 30. Exactly. So, so it needs to be needs subsidized. To be to, and we need to have yeah. community battery packs. Yeah, we need to store the power. That, yeah, we, yeah. Need, we have to be able to store power. And that's really what it comes down in, to. Yeah. You put the storage in the grid, and then that problem is solved. Exactly. And then everyone's generating solar, and you put it. And then the you grid don't need the... nuclear long term because the whole point of nuclear is because we're not storing power. We need vast amounts of storage, and wind turbines just isn't going to cut it. Neither is coal. You need something like nuclear to be able to effectively and affordably provide that much power. If we started storing unused power and yeah. reuse it at night during you know disasters during storms that sort of thing that's the that's the way to do it but until we get there where we're all generating our own electricity and storing it effectively it's it's there it's a moot point john i would Mm -hmm. like to to hear your perspectives though um, and this is an invite. You're going to have to wake up kind of early. We're yeah. 7.30 a.m. on a Sunday, John. So set your alarm yeah. very early and let David and I know you want to come on for Tech Fan uh, in either uh, two yeah. or four weeks. I think I think the, I think think the individually choosing to enter that 10 to 15-year cycle, John, uh, you to be congratulated for that. But the problem is we ne- if we need everyone to get panels, then we need to make it work for everybody. Um, it shouldn't be as I'd expensive as it that. is. It no, shouldn't well, be that expensive. Go, well, you go to uh, you go to countries that get a lot of sun in the Middle East, like Israel, for instance. Virtually every house has a solar panel and a hot water heater on the roof. Yeah. So they all do that, um, you know, and and that would be one solution as well. If you just basically, instead of doing electricity storage, you just basically say, "I have solar, and it means that I always have hot water, and that means that I don't need to uh, don't need a boiler or anything like that." Then then that is that is also a, a solution too. Um, so and I think that it just this, needs somebody to think about it and plan it out and decide on the right policies. I, I think the uh, storage of power or electricity is rife for invention right now. Hmm. You know, we need a, a Bezos or an Elon Musk to solve that problem affordably in a nonprofit sort of way. Because yeah. I know Elon has the Tesla batteries and. You know, that was the, the discussion just a couple of weeks ago, how absurdly expensive it is. So we need a philanthropist, if you will, to help solve this problem. Maybe Bill Gates. Bill Gates would be an excellent choice for this. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of the world of problems are because of, um, when you get right down to it, not enough power. Yeah. You know? Energy demand is basically what powers all economies. So, yeah. Yeah. 
So um, we had one more thing. I think we're going to skip that one, David. I don't. It's depressing enough. So uh, <laughs> with, with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. We do invite uh, listeners to send us email. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Um, I guess that's it. That's kind of LinkedIn. all we. Where we on LinkedIn? Oh, wow, are we on LinkedIn? It's, it's it's broadcasting live on LinkedIn through my personal profile, so I guess there's <laughs> that. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna start a big push for a lot of shows on LinkedIn. Yeah, the LinkedIn show, <laughs> the social media program. No one's ever got a job through, and yet that's its <laughs> mandate. Uh, owned by Microsoft. I don't know if you knew that or not. I do. I did know that. Yeah. They paid a stupid amount of money for LinkedIn. For, so. I don't know why. I go I go to LinkedIn once a week. Mm-hmm. And I start scrolling through and it's just it's it's either a a bag of sadness. I'm looking for a job. Uh it's complaining about people aren't taking jobs right now. People are hiring cuz they're making too much money on unemployment. <laughs> Sorry, asshole, if you're only paying minimum wage and you can't get people to work for you, your business should go under. Screw you, asshole. Um, <laughs> or it's, we're looking for this developer. We're looking for an AU developer in Dubai. Why? Why am I seeing that? So I don't know why I still have it, but I do. Um, and I've got a lot of connections there, too. But anyways, uh, we'd love to get feedback. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. You can always go to techfanpodcast or mymac.com on both and leave a message in the show notes. No one ever does that. But you can do it if you wanted to. It'd be fine. It's fine. We're good. We're fine here. How are you? Um, It's better than LinkedIn. Well, is it? I don't know. But that's where the show notes are. And uh, if you want to... Yeah. Leave feedback. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to come on the show sometime, this or the Geeks Pub, 7.30 a.m. on a Sunday. And uh, it's fun. Or you if, know, you don't, if you don't want to come on do live, it in the nude anymore. Oh, a voice sorry. message and send it to us and we'll play it. Yeah. And, oh, and you can't do it on in the nude anymore because we're broadcasting live video. So. Yeah. I mean, you can. Hey, I'm not going to complain, but, you know, we yeah. might get banned or something. He, the third he party doing well, I'm it. Sure they've, I'm sure they've got a camera angle, um, a camera angle device he can use. They must no, have. I they mean, must have something for when they're doing because they're all they're all nude when they do those those live um, uh, product updates. Yes, you know the video updates they yeah. do. They record all those in the nude. I know. And then they, they use put the Apple's on. special CGI to put clothes mm-hmm. on them. Yeah. Yeah. A bit like Green Lantern. That's, I don't know why people don't know that. It's a thing. So we'll see everyone in a week over at the Geeks Pub, and we'll see you in two weeks back here on TechFan. See you then, David. See you then. Bye.